Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Are you an emerging persona or a global organization that isn't getting recognition from the press? Have your marketing and advertisement efforts hit a plateau? Let us help you take your brand to the next level. Red Heifer Media is a full-service boutique public relations agency specializing in health and wellness, tech, real estate, and nonprofit organizations. We can turn your successful company into a reputable brand. Take your first step and visit www.redheifermedia.com. Once again, visit www.redheifermedia.com to take your brand to the next level. My guest today is Douglas E. Knoll, who left a successful career as a trial lawyer to become a peacemaker. His calling is to serve humanity, and he executes his calling at many levels. He is an award-winning author, teacher, trainer, and a highly experienced mediator. Doug's work carries him from international trainings to helping people resolve deep interpersonal conflicts to training life inmates to be peacemakers and mediators in maximum security prison. In today's episode, Doug and I talk about ways to listen other people into existence and how to calm any angry person in 90 seconds or less. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you, James. Great to be here. I'm looking forward to hearing your expertise on peacemaking. So as you were a trial lawyer, uh, what kind of uh, law did you, did you practice? I was a uh, complex commercial and business civil trial lawyer. So I took on cases that usually involved vast amounts of money with very complex legal issues. Oh, and wow. Did, okay. that, did that for 22 years. Wow. So what made you change? You want to become a peacemaker? And decided that I, I just wasn't going to be a trial lawyer anymore, but I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. So I came back, came back after that vacation and drove down out of the mountains to my office. And I heard a public service announcement for a new master's degree in peacemaking mm -hmm. and conflict studies being offered at Fresno Pacific University here in Central California. And the Fresno Pacific is one of the West, West Coast Mennonite universities. Oh, and the Mennonites are one of the three traditional peace churches. So that caught, I'm not mm -hmm. a Mennonite, but that, that caught my attention. And ultimately, I enrolled at uh, 48 years old, mid-career, to earn a master's degree on top of my law degree. And it completely changed my life. Uh, my mentors just, it was very, very stimulating and very rigorous mm, intellectually. Exactly. So I really learned about conflict, human conflict at all different levels. And that's when I began my study of neuroscience. When people hear the word peacemaker, and that, that is, uh, for some people, they've, they know obviously what peace is, but being peacemaker, are there ways in which people who haven't, who haven't studied this, are there ways, because I know we're going to get to the topic in just a second, but there are ways that people can just kind of 
if, if someone calls themselves something, if you believe something about yourself, if you, whatever you think about, as we know, determines what you feel, what you feel determines how you respond. With the lessons you're going to be teaching us in just a second, if people start to have the mentality of, yes, I want to move towards peace, is that something you teach as well as if you have the mentality of this is what I want to be, then you all of a sudden you can be that? Right. That's, that's, that's the experience we had in, we've had in the prison project. Mm. Um, incarcerated people are attracted to our program. They self-select in because oh, they like the idea of becoming a peacemaker. And they're wondering, what is that about? And I'm tired of the violence. How can I stop violence? How can I find mm -hmm. peace within myself? And how can I help other people find peace? And that's the concept of peacemaking. And, and we train people in the very specific skills of what it takes to be able to do that work, both inner and outer. Yeah, oh, that's impressive. I know we what we talked about in the pitch, uh, what we're going to talk about today is how to listen other people into existence and how to calm any angry person in 90 seconds or less. Walk me through the first part of that and of how to listen other people into existence. I, I found the wording really interesting. I get conceptually understand it. But what does that mean? though? Well, that phrase came from a circumstance where I was training middle school teachers, classroom control using these skills we'll talk about oh, in a graphic labeling. Yeah. And one of the people in the circle, we were doing a peace circle and I was, we'd finished the circle and I was debriefing everybody, finding out what their experience was. And, and one of the women in the circle was a fairly high level school administrator, not in, not at the school level, but at the, the district level. And she, she said, all my life, I've been invisible and ignored and not heard and not respected. This is the first time in my life that I actually felt like somebody listened to me. I felt like I was listened into existence. And the light bulb went on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's where the phrase came from. And what it means is that, as you know, 96% of all families are emotionally dysfunctional. And that, and that means they produce emotionally dysfunctional adults. That's what keeps psychologists like you in business and mediators and peacemakers like me in business. Uh, sad to say. So people are emotionally invalidated as children. They are severely emotionally abused. Even in the most loving families, parents still severely abuse. They don't even know they're doing it. But every time you emotionally invalidate a child, you're destroying their brain. And by emotional invalidation, I mean saying stuff like, well, remember when you were two years old and you were out running around and you fell down and scraped your knee and started crying? What were you told? Suck it up. Don't cry. Be a big boy. Don't be a sissy. Don't be a girly girl. Big boys don't cry. That's emotionally invalidating. It's basically telling you not to feel. You're being taught implicitly that emotions are bad. They're evil. They're irrational. They're weak. And that if you want to survive in life, you've got to be tough and not feel anything. That's just utter BS. And it's a total lie. And it does more to destroy a child's brain than, than anything else other than physical abuse. And there are all kinds of studies out there that show this. So we all suffer from this because our parents suffered from it and their, grand, their parents suffered from it. It's been going on for generations and nobody knows, nobody knows that it's insidious and pervasive and nobody knows it's abusive, but they just do it because they, they do it really to soothe their own emotions. The reason that people emotionally invalidate is because they've got a child who's upset. They don't know how to manage or regulate their own emotions, so they feel this anxiety. So they tell the kid to shut up, stop crying. Because if the kid shuts up and stops crying, they won't feel anxious anymore. So emotional invalidation really comes from a very selfish, unconscious, selfish place. Well, the problem is for the child and for all of us is that around between four and six years old, if we're invalidated enough, we learn that emotions are not safe. And so we go in 
and we build a wall, an edifice around us, that this is who I am out here. See, I look like I'm really put together and cool. But on the inside, I'm scared and I'm vulnerable and I'm hurt and I'm wounded. Again, this is what keeps psychologists in business, right? So when you listen somebody into existence by listening to their emotions instead of their words and reflecting back their emotions in a way I, I, I can describe in a moment, you penetrate that wall. And people feel deeply heard for the first time in their lives. And they feel emotionally safe for the first time in their lives. And it changes everything for them and for you as the listener. And that's what I mean by listening another person into existence. Eric Erickson is the, um, he was one of the major developmental psychologists who talked about how kids grow up. And so between with the age that you're talking about, four to six years old, if people are taught in a way that um, not to be validated, this is the time when kids really determine if they're going to actually try something new or not try something new. And so right. it's either they're encouraged with encouragement is also validation. If they're encouraged to do something, they'll separate and they will try new things. But if people are not encouraged and they won't try that. So that's when you find a lot of people who, um, who, let's say going for sports, they don't want to try sports because they don't feel validated or try something new. If they don't try some, if they try something new and they don't do well, then all of a sudden they feel that like they failed. So this is really the, the early childhood aspects is if, if, where people trust themselves because they've been encouraged. And so they either try new things or don't try new things based off that. And unfortunately, individuals in that situation, that also leads to trust when it comes to relationships. So they don't trust other people. They're very careful. This leads to attachment disorders, et cetera. So just corroborating what you're saying is exactly if someone is not emotionally validated, then they don't feel like they can try something, don't feel like they can try something new. And they often become inward and insular and not really show up in the world at the way in an authentic way. That's right. And that's why so many relationships are unhappy. And so many relationships are not intimate and so many relationships are superficial and why there is so much unhappiness and anger in the world because yeah. people don't feel fulfilled inside themselves because they've been invalidated all their lives. And in my world, as a peacemaker working in conflict, this is the origin of all conflict. And people fight because they're looking for something. And usually that something is intimacy and authenticity mm -hmm. and feeling um, real. And they don't get that. Exactly. And so they tend to argue and fight about it. And it doesn't exactly. and that's, that Sure, it doesn't exactly. Mean, <laughs> As we know, anger is one of the six primary emotions. But unfortunately, when it's used to protect us, that's healthy. But when it's used as a defense mechanism, that is, we're not actually in right. danger. We think we're in danger. We perceive or people think we're in danger. So therefore, we use anger. And that's really not what it is. There are actually five different anger payoffs, which says, um, you know, help reduce emotional conflict or to manipulate someone or to all these different things that people do when they use anger. But it's really not anger. It's just this protective shield that they use to protect the vulnerable side, vulnerable that's feelings right. on the other side. So that that's would make right. sense for the as a peacemaker, that when people are demonstrating all this anger, it's probably not anger that they're showing. But if they don't know how to show anything else, or they're just, that's what they do to protect that's themselves. Right. And they become alexithemic, and, and they, this is, mm -hmm. it just becomes a reactive yep. pattern that they fall back yep. on. And anger really masks about six or seven under uh, emotions that come under anger. And mm -hmm. so when we learn how to affect label and reflect emotions at a deep level or listen to other people into existence, we learn how to look for the layers of emotions that are under that anger, because that's where that's where the real validation has to occur. Yeah. So uh, what would be some ways in which today you can teach us how to listen to other people into existence? Very simple. Take out your pe pe pens and papers, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the three, it's a three-step process. Okay. Very easy to describe. Uh, takes a little practice to master. But the first step is when you're confronted with somebody who's emotional or angry, the first thing you have to learn how to do is ignore those angry words. It just mm -hmm. becomes white noise. You're not ignoring the person. 
you're ignoring the words because in emotional communication, only 7% of the, of the content is in the words. The rest of it is nonverbal. The second step is to read the emotional data fields of this angry person. And emotions are data, just like numbers on a spreadsheet. And due to evolution, we have an innate ability to read other people's emotions accurately, quickly, and efficiently without any effort whatsoever. It's a totally unconscious process. We're really, really good at it. But because we privilege rationality over emotions, we never develop this innate ability. And it, it just mm-hmm. lies there dormant until we start to use it. And the way you do this is to simply keep your mind quiet, be in silence, hopefully not in panic mode. <laughs> and if you wait for just a couple of seconds, all of a sudden, emotions will start flowing into your consciousness and you'll, you'll be able to understand not just the anger, but everything that's under, underneath it. And there are six layers of emotions that I've developed that come that you can work with. And then the third step, which is where the secret sauce is, and this is counterintuitive and counter-normative to everything we think we know about listening, is that you reflect back that emotional experience with a simple use statement. So I would say something like, James, you are really angry. You're pissed off. You feel disrespected. Nobody's listening to you. You feel completely unappreciated and disrespected. And you're anxious and worried and concerned. You're sad. You feel completely abandoned and betrayed. And you feel completely unloved. And notice how all I did is reflect back six or seven basic emotions. And those are the typical emotions that are underneath Mm -hmm. the anger. What, What the brain scanning studies show out of Matthew Lieberman's lab in UCLA, starting back in 2007, is that when you do this, a couple of things happen in the brain. First, the emotions, the the parts of the brain that are associated with emotions, like the amygdala and other limbic system regions, Mm -hmm. are inhibited. Those systems are inhibited. At the same time, the ventrolateral prefrontal cortex is activated. That's the executive Mm -hmm. function of our brain. And it happens in an inverse relationship as, as the emotional centers quiet down and the ventral lateral prefrontal cortex activates, um, all of a sudden people calm down and it ha- takes about 30 to 90 seconds for this to happen. And Lieberman figured this all, all this out in some really seminal brain scanning studies in 2007. And so affect labeling turns out to be an extraordinarily powerful way to calm people down. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. And you, you continue to label some, you continue to label and reflect back emotions until four things. You're looking for four involuntary relaxation responses. Nodding of the head, some mm-hmm. kind of verbal response like, yeah, uh, a dropping of the shoulders mm-hmm. and a sigh or an exhalation. And when you see those responses, you know that the emotional centers of the brain have quieted down, the ventrolateral prefrontal cortex is back online, and now you've de-escalated this person. You've listened them into existence, and you can either problem solve or do whatever is appropriate in the next step. The thing that's really that's, that's, yeah, I was going to say, the thing that's really different here is that most people are taught active listening, which is based on the work of Thomas Gordon, who was a psychologist in the 1950s, who was a, a mm-hmm. protege of Carl Rogers, the great humanist psychologist. Mm-hmm. And his work was completely misunderstood and misconstrued by the human potential movement of the 1960s. And that moved into the therapy world and the mediation world. And even today, mm-hmm. people are still taught to use I statements. And we all know that I statements don't work. It just pisses people off. And you say, what I think you're feeling is anger, right? It's bullshit. And the reason that I discovered and developed these skills is because as a peacemaker, I get paid big bucks to walk into some really hairy conflicts. 
And I had to have a tool that worked the first time, every time without fail. And active mm -hmm. listening and nonviolent communication, now called compassion communication, none of that stuff works. And so I had to figure out something else. And it was only through trial and error and, you know, my study of neuroscience that I finally figured out that using a use statement was the powerful way to do this. And in the Have you ever had people who would say that that's not like, let's say, let's say that you, that you'd say you would say this to them, like, no, that's not what I'm feeling. I mean, oh, although, okay. as I say so that aloud, as that I say that aloud, it doesn't happen very, often. Sense. That doesn't happen so, very right. often. It's very, very rare. But here's what's, where's what's happening. If, uh, if you say, I say, James, you're really angry. And you say, I'm not angry. I'm frustrated. <laughs> right. So yeah, you are angry. <laughs> I was right. You're wrong, but I'm not going to challenge that. I'm going to say, okay, you're really yeah. frustrated. Nobody's listening to you. Feel completely disrespected, and you're sad and anxious. Mm -hmm. And you'll say, yeah, yeah, and it really pisses you off. Yeah, I'm really pissed off. So number one, remember when people are highly emotional, they're alexithemic. They cannot mm -hmm. state their own emotions. They have no capacity right. for stating their emotions. Mm -hmm. They are alexithemic. That's what alexithemia is. So when you are labeling their emotions, you're literally lending them your prefrontal cortex. For the 90 seconds it takes for their prefrontal cortex to come back online, where they can access their emotional database and start understanding their own emotions. And so when they say, no, I'm not feeling this, they're not pushing back at you. They're struggling to figure out what it is they are feeling, and you're there helping them, and they're grateful for you to be mm -hmm. there, listening to them, validating them, and working with them to help them get back in control. So and psychology, we have you, never, you never make a mistake doing this. It's amazing. Of course, exactly. Because when you say that, they're going to connect with you and like, oh, so they'll give you more information. In psychology, we have what's called a gestalt technique. A, a gestalt uh, is essentially a type of uh, modality where you have the figure foreground aspect of it. So you become the voice of someone who can't say something or you um, are able to personify something for someone else. So for example, it, just like you're saying there, if someone can't find the words for it, I become the cognitive voice for them or the emotional voice for them. Um, or if I'm doing a group therapy, it's the same type of thing. But you become the emotional voice for them to that they can externalize what they're saying. So therefore then you can link with them, not on the emotional level, but then you are the voice or the megaphone for them, which then helps them externalize it, which then kind of re wipes the board. They're now able to reset, just like you said, and are able to then have more of a, a healthier dialogue with somebody. Right. So great. I, I think same, I really same appreciate basic your, concept. your technique. Same basic concept. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Except that yeah. we're working at, we're working with emotions and we're, we're working with the difference between uh, a lot of things you're talking about and what I do is uh, this stuff's all grounded in neuroscience. It's how the brain actually processes information. Mm -hmm. It's how the brain actually constructs emotions. I, are you familiar with the work of Lisa Feldman Barrett out of Northeastern University, Constructed Theory of mm -hmm. Emotions? No, um, she was very influential, not only Lieberman, but she's been very influential in my thinking. Basically, um, what she is saying is that we are not born with emotions. We construct emotions at a very young age, at 18 months, starting at about 18 months, and we build this emotional database. And when we become disconnected from the emotional database, we experience alexithemia. Then we fall back on old programming, reactive mm -hmm. programming that is, that's not functional anymore. And that's when things get really hairy and crazy. And so by affect labeling, you're reconnecting, helping them reconnect to that emotional database so they can take the affective experience they're experiencing and, and understand it as an emotional experience and then be able to verbalize it and then gain, be able to self-regulate. And that's, that's so you found, going on. And so you found with this, so not, it only just takes 90 seconds to be able to do that then? Yeah, it's fast. It's really fast. Yeah, And we've seen it happen over and over and over again. I mean, this is the foundational skill in the Prison of Peace Project. This turns out to be our foundational skill. The very first skill we teach 
our incarcerated populations when we're teaching this is the very first thing we teach them after we do some theoretical, a little bit of theoretical work around restorative justice is to teach them how to listen to other people into existence. And then our whole curriculum, all the way up to learning how to mediate a dispute is foundationally based on the ability to listen to another person's emotions and calm them down. So regardless if people are in high conflict, you know, situations like yours or in everyday conversations or, you know, connection with their, with their spouse or with their kids, this is something everybody can do all the time. So use these these use statements that you're talking about. And it's not only negative emotions. I mean, this is something that I encourage parents to start doing this with their three and four-year-olds. I've had plenty of reports of parents who told me that even at two-year-old, they start affect labeling their two-year-old and the tensor tampons disappear in about three or four months. And the wow. research shows that if you start affect labeling your children at a very young age, three, four years old, by the time they're nine and 10, they're usually two grade levels academically ahead of all their peers. And they have the social maturity years, years and years and years in advance of, of their peers. So it significantly increases one's emotional quotient, one's EQ, as far as how right. they essentially and, read the room. Right. And the reason for that is because our emotional centers in our brain don't start maturing. They don't come online until about 18 months of age. And when you're acting as an emotional coach, as a parent, and you're affect labeling, reflecting back and helping your child learn about emotions and build that emotional database and learn how to self-regulate and be self-aware, that feeds into the growth of the emotional centers of the brain. So it's like exercising. And, mm-hmm. and the brain develop, their brains develop in a healthy, holistic way, which sets them apart from all other children who are growing up in invalidating environments where they're told sure. that emotions are bad or evil. So that stunts the growth of the emotional centers of the brain. And, you know, if they don't, if they don't have the right kind of inputs at the right time, then, then it's passed and there's nothing they can really mm-hmm. do. Um, and that's the difference between a kid who has been affect labeled as a young, young child and, and a kid who grows up in what's called a normal family where emotions are bad and evil and irrational and sure. they don't have that opportunity. Yeah. It, with everything you do, do you teach people this outside of the actual moments? Do you, on your website, instead oh, yeah. of, do you teach, do you have yeah, classes? I've got, I've got online classes courses. I do group, oh, group, great. group coaching. Uh, I take on individual clients if they want, if they really want, in, they have like leadership. I t- teach a lot of people in leadership who are really Perfect. interested in developing their, here's the, here's the cool thing, the benefit that comes from this. Not only are you calming down angry people, mm-hmm. but what I've experienced and learned is that your emotional intelligence goes through the roof as you learn this. And I, this is completely backwards from the way everybody teaches emotional intelligence. You know, emotional intelligence is prime is three, three basic components, emotional self-awareness, self-regulation, and the ability to have empathy, affective and cognitive empathy. And when we affect label, we're learning cognitive empathy. That's a form of cognitive empathy. Mm -hmm. It builds our own emotional self-awareness, which then allows us to self-regulate. And then it allows us to even be, have even better, more accurate cognitive empathy. And eventually that translates into affective empathy, which is even faster and more powerful than cognitive empathy. And Mm -hmm. so it's just, it's a virtuous cycle of growth. Mm -hmm. And every single person that I've ever taught this just notices how their life completely changes as they do this. And as I teach leaders how to do this, they notice that their ability to walk into a group meeting and immediately read the emotions in the room and know exactly what to say, how to say it, when to say it. No matter how intense the situation, they have utter confidence in every situation is extremely powerful. That's fantastic. Douglas, you know, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. The time flew by. I enjoyed hearing so much about this information. If my listeners uh, want to learn more about you uh, and to work with you or to take some of these master classes, to, to find out more information about you, where will they find all this information online? My, um, my basic website is dougnoll.com, but I have created a page for your audience. 
and that would be dugnall.co, not com, but co, dugnall.co slash lifeology. And on that page, you can get a free ebook that describes everything that I've talked about. You can buy my fourth book, Deescalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. You can get my Deescalate video course. And if you really want to dive deep, you can get access to my Developing Emotional Competency courses. Excellent. Well, Doug Null, thank you so much for being a fantastic guest. Today. My listeners and viewers also note that if they cannot find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link you with Doug's no- Doug Null's information. Thank you so much for being a great guest today. Thanks, James. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.